This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. And to help me run through those headlines, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by the Liverpool Echo sports audience editor, Sean Bradbury. Good morning, Sean. Morning, pal. How's tricks? Good, mate. Yeah, as we were saying then, I've had uh, three or four days off, so I've come back feeling nice and refreshed. Uh, and it does seem like I'd, I'd missed a busy few days with the signing of uh, Costas Samikas. There's been a fair bit going on finally, you know, the transfer window open and uh, there it is, Liverpool getting a bit of business done and I think it's yeah, it's good really because with all the uncertainty hanging over the window, you kind of thought, we all know Klopp likes to get players in early and give them the full pre-season and get them used to the rigours of, of being a Liverpool player. Um, yeah, it looks like that that is very much happening with uh, with Samita. So yeah, all good stuff. Yeah, there's some brilliant stuff on the Echoes website, on our podcast, on our YouTube channel, particularly one uh, Paul Gorstar, Liverpool FC correspondent, did a cracking story in the yesterday regarding like the inside story and how the deal came off. Oh yeah, that that's a cracker. And um, and uh, Guy Clark spoke to a, a bloke who said he's like a director of a sport website over in uh, in Greece, and that that's a that's a fantastic interview. Really good insight into what. Simicas is like as a player and as a person, but yeah, Gorsley's story is, is great. Just tracks the the three year journey almost that, that Simicas has taken to get here because that's how long Liverpool's recruitment team have been keeping tabs on him. So, so yeah, it shows what we all know really that they work a couple of windows ahead. Always have a few targets for every position, and then and then home in on one. And, and he's the man, and here he is now at Anfield. Indeed, we'll have more on Samikas later this afternoon when Analyzing Anfield podcast is out. They'll be going into just why he's going to be such a good buy for, for Liverpool. But on, on this podcast, we're going to focus on other stories. And we'll start with one that's on the Echo site right now. And it's to do with LeBron James, who it sounds Sean is, is doing everything he can to, to push Liverpool FC into new territories. Absolutely. I have to say, slightly blown away by, by this story, really. You know, we all knew the, the power of Nike and um, I think when you think back to the, the court case in the, in the High Court last October between Liverpool and New Balance that determined the future of the kit deal, it was actually quite a close run thing. You know, we had the live updates every day from Johnny Humphreys down in London, and uh, you know, hundreds and thousands of people were glued to them. And there was even, uh, of course, they even got the suggestion once that uh, after a match in a mix zone, the players were even talking about it. Like, I think this was, <laughs> you know, it really did, did kind of dominate attention. The argument that swayed it in the end and actually allowed the club, the club to press ahead and seal a deal with Mike was almost a secondary point that was presented uh, in, in the court. And it concerned the power of what Nike offer beyond their distribution capacity and their, their huge global reach was, was their stable of athletes, the, the likes of LeBron James, Serena Williams, and you know, the others got to mention. Uh, and the whole emphasis of the court case really was on whether New Balance could match the deal that was on the table for Nike. And in this area, this this global influences and roster of athletes, it was determined that New Balance couldn't match them. And I think now, since the kit launch especially, we are very much seeing that in action. So, obviously, yeah, the, the, the new Liverpool home kit was released right at the start of August, um, and, and it didn't take long until we saw LeBron wearing the new kit. He was before one of his LA Lakers games. He was strutting around in the, uh, in the red top. So, he'd already started to increase the visibility of it. But now even just, just less than two weeks later, he's taken that a step further and it's emerged that personalised kits with number 19 on the back, obviously, we all, we all know why that's on the back and, and the name of, of various superstars with a special message from LeBron are being sent to huge names in, in the world of, of, of US sports. That's certainly what we're seeing initially uh, in terms of who it's going to. 
did a, the first one that's emerged went to um, someone called Shannon Sharp, who was, I have to say, I, I had to Google Shannon Sharp, but <laughs> a problem <laughs> former NFL player, uh, now a broadcaster. So yeah, th- this was just the one we, we saw the screenshot of and checked out with Nike whether all this was all legit and they confirmed it was and said, yeah, this was a, 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 you know, a campaign that they're doing and, and it was sent by LeBron himself. Um, so yeah, so there's the, there's the kit with uh, Sharp's name on it. There's, there's a box and there's this personalised message. And I'll just, just read the start of it. So this is from LeBron and it says, nine years ago, I went to my first game at Anfield. I'll never forget the feeling of walking through the Shankly Gates, the atmosphere, the fans. It was an adrenaline rush and one of the greatest experiences that I've had watching sports. And, you know, he goes on to talk about Nike and Liverpool, how how each is like a family. He's been the Nike athlete for, I think it's, it's quite a while now, 15 years plus, I think. So, um, you know, he's, he's entitled to say that. And then he says, as we all know, the Reds are by far the greatest team the world has ever seen. And, and then he signs off with a little call to, to wear his kit with pride. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think, you know, not to not to denigrate New Balance, who I have to say, but we're a very successful partner for the Reds, you know, huge kit sales and, and like the look of most of the kits, I think certainly in the last few years, they've really got into a nice rhythm. But we've already heard indications from uh, club insiders that the early projections of kit sales under Nike have left them blown away. And this is what, when you think back to October, when, when Nike, well, Nike won the court case, Liverpool won the court case, and, but when it paved the way for, for, for Nike, you just thought, well, when are we going to see these types of displays of power um, and, you know, evidence of the influence that they have with individuals and, and across the world. And I think you're seeing it right now with, with what LeBron's doing. Uh, and we were just saying before we started recording this part, you do wonder what is to come. I mean, this is this is what LeBron's doing while he's actively still playing his, his sporting season. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he's sticking his shirt on, he's sending out his personalised messages and then he's and he's going for a game for the LA Lakers, you know. Is there, is there something further down the line to come? You know, it does feel like we're only seeing the beginnings of what Nike can offer Liverpool and, and Liverpool can do for Nike. Yeah, certainly the long term, the, the, they're going to reap the financial benefits. The club and the, we'll, we'll stay on the, the finance front because it is testing times for, for clubs, even for the, the size of Liverpool, you know, but they, they and their, their other Premier League counterparts have been boosted, shown by the news that they will receive their prize money in full for the current season. Uh, it's a report that first emerged in the Times and we've picked up on the Echoes website and it's particularly good news for Liverpool. Yeah, we've had some... Um estimates of, of the total prize pot for, for a little while. Uh, there's a football finance expert, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be aware of, called Swiss Ramble, mm-hmm. who has a, has a blog and, and is on Twitter. And a figure that he put out there a little while ago was that Liverpool would get £175 million for for winning the league, essentially. And that is comprised of all the, the various different revenue streams, um, merit payments, and all, all the way all the, the TV money breakdown. And then that figure looked to be in doubt, essentially, because... That was that was what it would have been, but pre-pandemic, that was that was the estimate. But then, obviously, as, as all fans will know, that the rebate kicked in and was agreed because of lockdown delay and, and games being played behind closed doors. Um, it was agreed that a considerable amount of money would be paid back to the broadcasters, and the expectation was that around twenty to twenty-five million of of rebate repayments would be knocked off that that price total, essentially. So, yeah, Liverpool would would, would have been due to get one hundred and seventy-five, but the reality would be it would have been around 150 when when you knock off the, the rebate repayment. And so yeah, but the the, the the kind of big news here by the times is that that rebate the plan is to spread that out over future seasons for all the clubs this is you know not just the Reds because they all would have had to have paid something back. Um, 
uh, yeah, so so it won't be paid back in one big hit by by every club. You know, initially it looked like each each side would have maybe 10, 15, 20 million of rebate to pay back straight away, and and it wasn't actually clear how how that would be determined whether they pay an equal amount or whether the the rebate would be would be kind of staggered, and you know Liverpool would pay a bit more for finishing top, which which I think was the expectation initially, and that may well still prove to be the case. But but yeah, what we do now know is that it will be spread out over over future seasons, which does seem a sensible move. Um, you know, obviously you can argue is it is it storing up further trouble if there are further issues next season and what have you. But I think if you look at the bigger picture, as you were saying just before this this, this session began, clubs have had a massive hit in revenue and. Uh, across the board, really, um, you know, match day is the obvious one, isn't it? With, with fans not being at games at the moment, so anything that can swell the coffers even a little bit and ten, fifteen, twenty million—it's it, it might not seem that much, but in the current climate, it's quite a lot, isn't it? When when cash flow and, and uh, profits of clubs have, have really taken a hit, so so yeah, it seems seems like a sensible move, um, and w- whether it'll have much of a, an immediate impact in terms of transfers and what have you for, for Liverpool and others, um, I don't know because obviously. It, it, it's something that's going to benefit every single Premier League club, but but then again, you know we have just seen Costa um, Simicast come in, as we say. So perhaps this was a little part of it. The Liverpool knew this was coming, and that they'd have that little bit more in the bank, perhaps, than they thought they would this summer. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Stay on transfers. Uh, a name you must be bored of writing <laughs> by now. <laughs> Thiago Alcantara. We, we've we've said on this podcast, said on the site, on our YouTube channel, that the stance from Liverpool is at the moment that it doesn't look like they're, they're going to make a move for Thiago this summer. But, you know, it, it's becoming clearer and clearer all the time that he definitely fancies it if, if Liverpool were to change their position. And a, a report by Sky Sports, Sean, does underline that. Yeah, it's just, it's a crazy situation. There's so much is odd about this one. He's, he's 29. He's already a big star name. Surely the wages that he would command would be, would be huge given his status in the game. And yeah, as you say, and as we've said countless times, none of that really fits the mould of a typical, typical FSG Michael Edwards signing. Um, but then, as we've also said in, in recent months especially, and as Jürgen Klopp said a lot of times, Liverpool have never been in this position before where the pool of players that would improve the first team and, and even the squad is very small so yeah while, while we've seen a transfer strategy certainly in the last few seasons of windows that broadly is prioritising youth and development over signing the finished article it, it's just it's it's going to be interesting to, to, to monitor this one as you say it, it's a name that's not going away I think we, we always knew that uncertainty was going to cloud this this window and transfer business and un, until things like TV rebate Perhaps night kit sales and, and the return of football and fans coming back were clear and the numbers were there to crunch. Then money wouldn't be getting spent, um, you know, unless you're in a situation like City or, or, or Chelsea or whoever. But I think a bit of clarity has, has now come on those factors, as we say, and, and the purchase of Sunni uh, Cash shows that. But yeah, the, the steer from the club continues to be that Thiago is is not an active target, uh, and you know, the, the, there's a lot of midfielders at the club, and, and it's not necessarily an area that they're looking to strengthen. But then, yeah, you get you get these reports now saying uh, Thiago wants to leave. He fancies a new challenge, and the indications suggest that Liverpool is, is somewhere that would be attractive to him. Uh, Bayern themselves have said that they would accept a, a reasonable price for him, and that's believed to be around 30 million euros. And, and there's some reports as well uh, this morning or last night saying that Klopp and the player have apparently been in discussions for weeks. And you know, we, we heard similar with with, with Werner, um, and and that, I'm sure that might well have been the case. But then, obviously. 
the club themselves still have to make the move, and, and until that happens, you know, not, nothing does happen. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a strange one. I, there's also been a couple of suggestions. Uh, I think there was a one report uh, in the Times, um, particularly saying that the fate of Wijnaldum and Thiago could be tied, mm. and I'm I'm inclined to think that there might be some some truth in that because the longer Genie's contract situation goes unresolved, the more likely you would think that they do have to fill that gap. He's such a significant first team player. And, you know, for, for all it does seem that going for Thiago is, would break the mould a little bit, he's around the same age. I think he's just slightly younger than one album. Um, would would fill a, the kind of gap in terms of experience in the squad. Uh, yeah, and, you know, it, we are now less than a year away from, from the end of one album's contract, and that is ticking down. And, and still no firm resolution on what's going to happen there. You know, it does seem that the club obviously wanted to stay, but but we're not, we're not seeing a massive breakthrough in, in the last couple of years. Virtually every other first team player has signed the contract, so so yeah, it, it, you know, we don't know. It's it's contracts aren't something that the club really talk about for, for obvious reasons, and and they are saying that Thiago isn't isn't an active target. It's not someone they're after at present, but there seems to be so much being said about it. And and at the very very least, there's a determination from the player to to go, to leave Bayern and explore a new challenge. And what better challenge to, to come to Liverpool and try and help them retain the Premier League and crack on in Europe again? So. So yeah, it's it's not going to go away, and I certainly don't think it's going to go away until something is resolved with Wayne Adams' contract. Interesting. We'll stay with Bayern Munich, kind of, for the moment, because the story on the Echo site that we uh, reported yesterday that their chief executive, Karl Heinz Rummenigger, has suggested big changes to the Champions League, which continues tonight. I think the quarterfinals kick off are coming and, and coming soon. It sounds. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. This almost a bit of a kind of back-to-the-future approach that, that, he, that he's talking about. Um, so, yeah, he's saying several options on the table for reform. And I think these are kind of instant things, but they're kicking over the next few years. I think he mentions 2024 as a, as a possible date for them to come in. But, yeah, he kind of hooked on the idea that, that this mini-tournament now is happening. He's kind of taken the, the, the opportunity to talk about the knockout system and the, and the structure of the Champions League, if you like. Uh, and just a couple of quotes from him. He says, the biggest thrill for the fan is the knockout system. We have to make sure that we bring more meat to the bones at the knockout phase. I think he's, it's difficult this because it's it's the classic kind of split between what what the Champions League offers clubs and what it offers fans. Because you know he, he makes some criticism at the group stage and says you know we wouldn't want to enlarge that any further. I think that's a fair enough point. You know it, it is already big enough, and obviously you don't take being in the Champions League for granted. But there are times well Liverpool have, have, have scraped through the group stage actually uh, a few times in recent seasons so it's you know it has been exciting but but yeah there, there might be games where for a for a much smaller team it, it they get two massive ties against Liverpool but perhaps for Liverpool it's it's a fixture in midweek where they're just looking to get through it and and you know crack on and get through to the knockout phase but then you know the longer clubs are in a competition the more money they get and and the group stage is a is a big cash cow obviously for, for clubs they get they get games they get meta payments for their performances in those games. They get full houses at home. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said there for for how much it brings into clubs. But then also, you know, the the, the true prizes are at the end of the competition. Um, and, and he makes a fair point. He says, I'm, I'm a friend of quality, not quantity. Uh, and, and yeah, from, from a purely footballing perspective, I think he's, he's perhaps got a point that could they reassess the knockout situation and, and make it a bit more exciting. But you wonder, you know, there's always talk, isn't it, of not just the Champions League, but of teams breaking away and forming some kind of Super League and all this. And I just think with this type of thing, money will always win the day. Um, and 
the, not that the balance of power between the Champions League and like individual leagues is 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 always being pushed in uh, in the direction of UEFA. But I'd be surprised if we saw any reform that that kind of reins back the amount of games and and makes it more likely for the big clubs to be to be knocked out early. But well, yeah, I, I certainly see his point, and you'd maybe like to see a little bit more of that in in, in some other competitions and a bit more excitement in terms of uh, the knockout format. But but yeah, it'd be interesting. He, he certainly says several options are on the table, so we'll see which way it goes, I'm sure, in the, in the coming months. Just to our final story, which continues to be really well read on the Echo site, uh, and it concerns Sadio Mane and his aims for next season. Yeah, I, I um, uploaded this story yesterday, which, which one of the lads wrote, and absolutely love these quotes. I think anyone who's worried at all about the hunger that, that will remain in the squad after they've won the Champions League and Premier League in the last two seasons, just have a read of this. Mane, I think you can always put a smile on your face, but, but this certainly does. It's, yeah, he was chatting to ESPN, and I think they asked him initially which trophy felt the best to win of those big two. And he basically said, well, I always wanted to win both. Now I've won them both. I want to win them both again. Which, you know, <laughs> on the face of it, it's, you know, it's, it's quite an obvious thing to say, but... Not all footballers yeah. say it, do they? <laughs> no, well, no, exactly, exactly. And, you know, I think he's got... It's not an arrogant thing. It's just a confident thing and it's an honest thing that he's saying. And, and he, Okay, he went on to say, all trophies are important. We don't have a preference. But then his, his final line was, we want to win and win again. Uh, yeah, I, I just think if, if you look at how this guy handles himself, he's, he's clearly got the taste for silverware. I think this gives an indication of the mentality that will come out of Melwood this summer as Liverpool look to defend their Premier League title and try and progress in Europe again. I think with Mane in particular, okay, he had his moments after after the restart. There was certain little bits of sloppiness, but you can tell with someone like him how much he's still up for it. And every time he comes on the football pitch, whether it's from the outset or it's off the bench, I think we've seen it every single time this season. He, he's just, he sets such a high standard and he scored against Palace, Villa, Arsenal. He got one uh, on the last day against Newcastle too, didn't he? I think he embodies the, the fact that standards are not going to slip. And, and when you see senior players setting the tone like this, licking the lips of the prospect and more silverware and, and enforcing that message that we'll go again, we'll win again and um, we're still going to be as, as big a threat as we were last season, next season, then, yeah, it's just it's the best possible thing you could hear. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much, Sean. That's all for today's Morning Bulletin podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. And as I said earlier, Josh Williams and David Hughes will be back later this afternoon with the Analyzing Anfield podcast. But until then, bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.